Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. On this episode, 10 episodes back, Denny got to taste and critique some IPAs I canned and sent to him. Now it's time to turn the tables and have me taste some of Denny's beers. Can you make an IPA with Veterans Blends hops? Can you make a Belgian Golden Strong to make the angels sing? Let's sit down and have a beer, shall we? But first, a message from our sponsors. Getting accurate measurements of your beer is one of the keys to improving your brewing. The Pro Series Hydrometers from Brewing America will help you help your beer. These American-made NIST traceable hydrometers are accurate, easy to read, and the kits come with a cleaning brush and cloth and a borosilicate test flask that uses half the sample size of most flasks. That means less beer for testing and more beer for you. Brewing America is a small, family-owned business of husband and wife veterans, so when you buy a Brewing America hydrometer, you're not only getting a great piece of equipment, you're supporting the people who support America. Brewing America hydrometers are available on Amazon or at www.brewingamerica.com. This episode is brought to you by Brewers Publications, publisher of none other than Simple Home Brewing by two guys named Denny Kahn and Drew Beecham. Maybe, just maybe, you've heard of them. If you want to streamline your brew day, make great beer, and have a blast in the process, Head over to BrewersPublications.com and buy a copy of Simple Homebrewing. The American Homebrewers Association, a community of more than 45,000 individuals who share a common passion, beer. Since 1978, the HA has promoted and advanced the most delicious hobby in the world, providing brewing resources, supporting homebrewer-friendly legislation, offering exclusive member deals at breweries and homebrew shops, and hosting one-of-a-kind events like HomebrewCon and the National Homebrew Competition. Join your beer-loving peers at homebrewersassociation.org. Time for another segment. We're going to call this one Drew Tries Denny's Beer. You will remember that earlier we did the exact opposite. And now it's time for Denny to be on the spot. Yeah, it is my turn. Uh, and I can't wait to hear what you think of these. Why don't we do this thing where, well, you tell me what exactly it is that you've sent me in these tiny little PET bottles <laughs> and I'll get to drinking. Yeah, pretty classy, huh, man? Trader Joe's water bottle. Oh, no, those aren't. Those are actually real beer bottles, but they're, they're pet. Um, I sent you a Belgian Golden Strong, kind of like in the, in the mode of Duval, and I sent you uh, an IPA made with mecha-grade malts and uh, Veterans Blend hops from uh, the Veterans Blend we got a year ago. Ah, uh, yes, the, the same Veterans Blend I'm using to make my coming in hot. Cool, great. Well, then we'll have uh, a little bit of, uh, of comparison there. So let's start with the Belgian Golden Strong. This was brewed on June 21st. So it's like, uh, what, going on about uh, 
three and a half months three old. Months. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I used six pounds of mecha-grade Pelton malt, uh, but I didn't have quite enough of that, so I put in five pounds of the uh, Great Western Idaho Pills malt, uh, along with two and a quarter pounds of sugar. I think that came out right around 18-20% sugar. I got a hold of some really, really nice uh, Holler Tower Middle Fruit and Zoss pellets, so I put in three ounces of the Haller Tower at 60 minutes and uh, an ounce of the Zotz uh, at five minutes. It was fermented with uh, YU's 1388, that's the uh, Duval strain. And I did a little bit of water treatment to get it into the, uh, the yellow balance profile from brewing water. Well, and I'll tell you, I mean, yeah, it does strike me as being very balanced. It's interesting because the very first note that I get is a very sort of grainy, corny uh, type thing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously there's no reason for me to get the corn, but I definitely do get the grain. Right. Get that little bit of that bubblegum uh, fruity ester along with sort of that base note of cinnamon and clove. Right. Yeah, what I like, too, is that the, the, the bubblegum fruity part is pretty low, and that's why I really like this yeast. Uh, uh, which yeast was it again? The uh, the yeast was the Yeast thirteen eighty eight. Okay, that's the Belgian ale, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I only know them by numbers. I don't know the names, but it's the it's the same yeast that Duval uses. Mm. And see, it's interesting because I, I don't get the same overdrive on spices that I get out of Duval. Right, like Duval has a very strong spicy phenol note to me. Maybe it's because I keep the fermentation temperature low. I looked up the fermentation schedule in Brew Like a Monk and followed it pretty closely, but you know. You're never going to clone a beer. You're going to make something that just kind of gets into the ballpark. Yeah, and, and I mean, this this definitely gets there. I, I almost still kind of want it to be a little bit drier, even though I suspect the finishing gravity on this is really low. Yeah, well, and that's it. I mean, I was going to point out that, uh, you know, I have a, a real feeling that uh, Golden Strong or a triple shouldn't necessarily start at a real high gravity, but it should finish at a low gravity. So this one started at 1071, but it finished at 1.002. So it's uh, about 9.2%. So what I'm getting is I'm getting a lot of that ethanol sweetness and some of the fruity notes combining to give me a a stronger perception of sweetness than what's there. Yeah. I I will note, and we talked about this before we went on the, the program, that yeah, this is missing some of the carbonation I want. Oh, definitely so. Definitely so. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think, and that might actually also help with the, the sort of sweeter edge that I'm getting here. Like, eh, because usually a Belgian Golden Strong, I mean, you think Duval, Duval throws that giant head. Right. It, it it gets that big sort of effervescent presence, and that helps undercut some of the residual sweetness or residual body. I like the hop character in here. I agree with you. I think the yeast character is appropriately restrained. I think if this had, uh, you know, just about half again as much carbonation then i think this would this would this would really pop and i would be really really happy this actually does remind me in a lot of ways of my blank spaces which is not terribly surprising since the whole duval-esque world of recipes is a relatively narrow recipe (laughs) yeah right and and i'll I'll point out two things about the carbonation number one uh it, it did have more carbonation at one point but number two i'm pretty lackadaisical about carbonation i don't to tell you the truth i don't really worry about it a whole lot uh i don't do any kind of calculations i just hook up the gas and go okay i guess that's carbonated enough 
So you don't have like a particular target that you're aiming for? Well, I, you know, I, I do, and I kind of like go, okay, so this beer, the highest temperature it got to during fermentation was this. So if I set my regulator here, that'll get me in the ballpark, and that's fine. But the other thing is that, you know, because um, I don't have CO2 continually flowing into the freezers where I store my beer, it's like I drink some, I add more CO2, I drink some, CO2 goes down, I add some more. So, you know, like I said, if, if there's enough CO2 to get a bit of a head on it and get it out of the keg, that's generally okay with me. Yeah, I do think this would be better served by having a, a more aggressive I, and I, but... I, I totally agree with you. And when we served it at Paula's birthday party back in the middle of July, it was definitely more carbonated. I've told people before, my racking technique is I look up on a chart, you know, like, okay, I've got the beer stored at 34 degrees Fahrenheit. I look up at the chart and it says, oh, in order to achieve, you know, three volumes, you need the... You need to set your regulator at 10 PSI, right? Or yeah, right. Well, and, and that's in ProMash that I use. And I, I kind of do that, too, although I don't pay attention. And let me just point out one more time, the temperature you should be using is the highest temperature the beer has reached during fermentation. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, but then don't forget that storage temperature also has an effect on solubility. So Obviously so, yeah, right. But uh, I'll always just take the whatever whatever temperature I'm at currently, I'll take that, I'll add one or two PSI to it, and then I'll just shake it for 10 minutes, and that's it. Yeah, you know, and I shake it for about two minutes and go, okay, I'm tired now, that's enough. I know, but that's the reason why I go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, Okay, shall we move on to the IPA? Well, uh, I was going to ask, before we move on from that, other than the carbonation, is there anything else that you would change? I like the water chemistry in it. I, I think you've got about the right level of hop in it. Uh, no, I, there really isn't anything I would change other than getting the carbonation right. This is a recipe that I've essentially brewed many, many times. I've never combined these two malts before. And as we've talked about in the past, malt plays a big factor in the flavor profile. Uh, lately, I've been making this with 100% Pelton, but my Pelton stash was pretty low. So I filled in with some of that Great Western Idaho Pilsner, which is a really nice malt also. I, I kind of see that as being maybe a little closer to, to Vireman flavor-wise, whereas the Pelton being made with full pint is going to have some of that richness to it that you get from the full pint. Uh, the the Pills has more of the grassiness like you get from Vireman. Actually, doing this half-to-half is probably where I would go to, even if I had a full sack of Pelton, because what I like with the Mecca Grey malts is they are full-flavored. Right, I mean, they are full flavored. They drop a metric ton of you know malt on your head, and I think for the Belgian Golden Strong, I actually don't want that huge punch. Yeah, of all that malt. Yeah, and so the fact that you that you're bringing that a little bit of that character in, and then softening it up with the Ida pills, and that Ida pills or Idaho pills or Idaho pale, whatever they're calling it at the time, that's a really clean, crisp. Base malt. Yeah, it is. So half and halving it with that, I think, gives you enough to give you that interesting character where that grain comes in the in the forefront, like I was talking about, but without without laying in through the whole course of the beer and overpowering all the other characteristics that you want out of a you know out of a Belgian Golden Strong. So I think actually you may not have done that intentionally to start with, but I actually think it's a rather good effect. So we'll name the beer Serendipity. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk the second beer while I pour this one. Okay. 
This second beer is uh, a, an IPA made with uh, uh, La Manta and Opal malts from um, Mecca Gray. Mecca. Yeah. The La Manta is their pale, pale ale-ish malt. It's, uh, you know, maybe between two and three Love Bond. The Opal, they call their toasted malt. It's about 40 Love Bond and really does have kind of a toasted flavor to it. Yeah, it's kind of their their kind of uber crystal. Exactly. So there was twelve pounds of Lamanta, one pound of opal. By the way, this beer was brewed on July thirtieth, so it's been around for a while. Tossed in half an ounce of Veterans Blend for first word hops, because I still do that on my IPAs. Uh, I used three quarters of an ounce at sixty minutes, two ounces uh, at flame out. And it was dry hopped with four more ounces of Veterans Blend. And I used the technique I've talked about before. Like, remember when I was trying to see if I could get hop creep to happen? So what I did was I fermented this beer to completion. I cold crashed it. Uh, I racked it to a CO2 purged bucket, of all things. I added in my four ounces of dry hops there. Let it sit at about 70, 72 degrees for a, a week or so. Racked that into a CO2 purged keg and carbonated it there. So that's what we've got. So, so basically this beer, I actually, and it was cold crashed in the bucket too before I racked it over to the keg. So this beer was cold crashed twice and then racked to CO2 purged fermenters. Uh, you can see though, it's really got a nice clarity to it from all that cold crashing. Yeah, it does. Uh, although I was also going to say, how, how much color malt do we have in this again? Uh, just one pound of the opal. 12 pounds of Lamata and one pound of opal. And remember, the Lamata is kind of a darkish malt anyway. Right. Yeah, the, the Lamata goes into their kind of their, their Marisotter-ish type of treatment. Well, yeah, it, it's more of a pale ale malt than a pale malt, you know, because it's a little darker. And then you've got uh, a pound of the opal. Let me see, one pound and 12, that's what, about 8%? And so, because uh, the very first thing I, uh, like, I look at this from just pouring it into the glass, and I go... Oh, this kind of feels a bit of a, like a throwback. I like seeing this color. Well, I think that's also the effect of me living down here in Southern California, where yeah, every every IPA is basically pale malt and nothing else. Yeah, right. And a lot of people are doing like IPAs even with all pills malt and nothing else. You know, so uh, you know, and that's that's great. And there's some great IPAs made like that. But I know what my tastes are and what I like. So this beer was made for me. So this is what I like. I'm assuming a fair amount of gypsum. Uh, there was one teaspoon of gypsum added into the boil. When I'm making IPAs or pale ales, I don't do any water calculations or anything because I know what my water is, and I know that if I just throw a teaspoon of gypsum into the boil, that'll be all I need. Well, you have a nice steady source, and you've figured out what works for you. Yeah, exactly. My My well is remarkably constant. I get it tested every few years, and it has never changed, so... Uh, you know, I, it makes it real easy for me when I'm making mid-color uh, bitter beers like this. Yeast? Oh, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. A dumb question. So, uh, yeah, why yeast? Uh, why yeast? Uh, Denny's favorite. That's right. Now, what's interesting to me is, like, I get in the very front nose, I get a little bit of uh, fruitiness, but also 
it, it's almost a little bit of that overripe fruit. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just from the age, but there's a little overripe fruit character to it. Like something like a little bit of fruit that's gone a little tricky. Something you want to make a jam out of. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the character I always get with these veterans blend hops. So maybe it has something to do with the way I use them. Uh, maybe it just has something to do with the differences in the way we perceive it. Yeah, well, and I think also, I mean, what, the Veterans one, I think, is pretty heavy on Laurel, right? I think so. Boy, I'd have to go look it up again. I really don't recall. But Laurel, to me, always gives a very fruity uh, forward type. Yeah, oh, definitely so. Definitely so. But when we get into the taste of it, and actually, uh, maybe it's an effect of the age, but given the fact that you use so many uh, dry hops on it, I'm actually surprised the, the hop aroma is actually fairly down, and a lot of what I get is that toasty malt. Well, you know, I'm getting a reasonable hop aroma. It's not knocking me over, but remember again that this was brewed on July 30th, so it's been around a while too. Right, exactly. I mean, I think I think that's a, that's the age thing that we were talking about there. But I mean, yeah, it's there, but it, it's it's backed off enough that a lot of what I'm getting is a lot of that toast malt. But then when I get into the flavor, the very first thing that hits, uh, I get a nice little front bitterness. Yeah, a nice little spicy bitterness in the front, and then it drops into. A little bit of that caramel, a little bit of that toast, a little bit of that sort of richer bread character. Right, exactly. Which you'd expect from like a big malt, like a like a big flavorful malt. Right. Before finally dropping off in the back end to a very dry, very clean finish that has a lot of hop. I mean, I would like to have really seen this beer fresh, like when it when it just came out of the keg that first time, just to see whether or not it, like, see how much it sang with those hops. And again, this is, I think, showing some of the differences in our regions. Like, this to me reads very much like an older style IPA versus a lot of what I would get down here even before the hazy started. Yeah, right. But, it, I mean, this is kind of in that, uh, kind of in that, like, celebration territory. Not as strong. Well, you know what, man? Celebration is, like, one of my favorite beers of all times. And it's like I, like I was saying... I like old school West Coast IPAs, and when I'm brewing an IPA for myself, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, and this definitely falls into that category. Now, so we talked the water chemistry. You 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 just do a very simple thing where you know exactly what your water needs. Right. So that's good. Uh, you've got all those veteran blends hops in there, and I actually like the Vets blend. I think it's an interesting blend. And I'd be I'd be curious to see what this year's feels like in comparison to last year's. Yeah, I, I think it's a different blend this year too. So I, I believe so. And one thing I'll mention: uh, this started off uh, with the OG. Uh, let me see here at ten sixty four, but it ended up at one point oh oh seven. So again, it really finished low. That's that's kind of what I go for in my in a lot of my beers. You know. Yeah. Well, and and you can tell because I mean you have some. You have some of the sugary sweetness, but it feels very much like that kind of hard candy sweetness, right? which to me says that comes from the opal. And then you've got, once that goes away, I mean, it just drops out. And then the very end finish is that gypsum. Yep, exactly, exactly. And there is some hop flavor in that finish. I noticed that just as you were saying that, too. Say 30, 45 seconds after you take a sip, you notice the gypsum. Exactly. It's like, oh. Yeah, okay, that's uh, that's that mineral dryness. Yep, exactly. Although I, you know, for me, I'm not identifying it as a as a mineral kind of thing, just a dryness. I mean, I'm not really getting a mineral flavor out of it. But again, that could that could just be me. 
could just be you and you know it could just be me too <laughs> let's talk differences where didn't this go where you wanted to what would you change oh uh, i would uh i would drink it all fresher but <laughs> you know with my uh my uh cutting down on drinking i couldn't exactly do that so i have a keg around and it takes me a long time to go through it so in other words listeners what you should do is you should reach out to Denny and say hey denny can i try some of your beer and he'll he'll ship you some no no no, i won't ship some but uh, if, you, <laughs> if you want to come by here and pick it up i'll be happy to do that the last batch of this I made, the recipe was a little different because I used some Crystal 60. Instead of the Opal. Yeah, instead of the Opal. And uh, this time when I went to make it, I discovered I was out of Crystal 60. So it was kind of like, what the hell? Let's put in some Opal. That'll be interesting. Uh, the first batch of it I made, I also used five ounces of dry hops instead of four because I wanted to to push the, the shell hammer limit, you know, where he said eight grams per liter is about the most you should go for. This time I decided I'd cut it back a little a little more just to see what the difference was. I think that if I was to make it again, I would cut back the opal a little bit and replace it with a little bit of C40 or C60. Oh, so now that's interesting because... So Opal comes in at, what, 44L? Yeah. So what do you think you get different out of the C60 or C40 than you get out of the Opal? Just the lack of the toast? Uh, yeah, and more sweetness. Uh, Opal doesn't really have a lot of sweetness to it. Uh, it, it really does have that toastiness. Uh, you know, because of the way Seth is set up, he can't really make crystal malts or anything like that. So it just becomes uh, different levels of, of kilning. Uh, so he's going a little bit more like what they do with, say, Red X. Yeah, you know, because if you're going to make crystal, you have to start with green mold and then kiln it while it's wet. And he doesn't he doesn't have the ability to do either one of those things. But I, I do like the toastiness from it, but I would like just a hair of the sweetness and body. So instead of a pound of opal, I might go with half or three quarters of a pound and make the rest of it a crystal 40 or 60. So and I think for me, yeah, I would probably still agree on cutting back some of the opal. Probably not as far, like say back to like three quarters, but I wouldn't put any C40 or C60 in. And again, that's just taste things, right? Because again, I am immersed here in Southern California where, <laughs> as we've said, crystal malt is the enemy. There shall not be any crystal malt in your IPA. And it's just become a thing my palate has adjusted to. Yeah, right. And for me, uh, it's just not a West Coast IPA unless it has some amount of crystal in it. Uh, you know, and, and who knows, maybe I wouldn't do it more than once, but it's something that I want to try to see what happens. What do you think would happen if you put more gypsum in? Uh, I think that it, it would get a lot drier and maybe start to taste minerally. I don't know because... I haven't done that because I haven't felt like I needed to. So I don't have any direct experience. It is it is interesting to see. I think I'm going to ask you the question that every brewer hates. Yeah. Between these two, do you have a favorite child? Uh, the, the Belgian, for sure. Which is not to say that I don't like the IPA. I really do, uh, you know. But I, I just have an affinity for Belgian styles in general, and especially things like Golden Strong and Triple. See, I never would think that with you. I would, I, I've always thought of you with pale ales and IPAs, and I think that's just that wry smile. <laughs> but in this particular case, I think I would agree with you on this one. 
the Veterans Blend IPA is good, and I would be very happy to keep drinking this, but between the two of them, I think the Belgian Golden Strong falls a little bit more in my wheelhouse and, and makes me feel a little more comfortable, assuming we can correct the carbonation problems. Yeah, right. Well, you know what, man? You should take the rest of that bottle if you haven't poured it and stick a carbonator cap on it and uh, fizz it up. We have the technology. That's right. And we build it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and again, you know, I really, really like IPAs. They would be a very, very close second to uh, to Belgians. But, you know, in general, uh, if you were asking me my, my favorite styles, it would have to be um, Belgian styles first, uh, especially the non-sour, non-real fruity ones, followed by... Uh, Probably a tie between uh, IPAs and pale ales, West Coast style, and uh, German styles like uh, like uh, Pilsner, Dunkel, uh, Bach, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not obviously I'm not a fan of the Hefeweizen, but Belgians have a slight edge, uh, and then closely followed up by uh, West Coast hoppy styles and Germans kind of tied. Interesting. Yeah, that, that that actually breaks a little bit my perception of what your normal thing is. <laughs> well, you know what? And the reason I talk so much about IPAs and I brew so many of them is because that is Paula's favorite thing in the whole world. And so uh, I know if I'm brewing a super hoppy beer, then at least there will be two of us drinking it. That is a smart, caring, and loving partner. Well, I try, man. I try. Hey, that's all we can try. <laughs> that's right. No, I, well, I appreciate you sending me these beers. I think these are interesting. Of course, we'll include the links for these beers for people to try. Uh, I would recommend, actually, people trying to brew either of these. I I mean, I even think, even with, like, the Veterans Blend, I think you've got a good base IPA here. Yeah, you could probably substitute in more of a, pale, a regular pale malt if you don't want to go and find Mecca Great, although... We always recommend that you go and find Mecca Great or your local craft maltster. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too, man. Uh, I understand that if you're living on the East Coast, Mecca Great may not be available. And if it is, it may be prohibitively expensive there due to the shipping. But please go out and seek out your local craft maltster because there's a bunch of them all over the place. Well, I was going to say, at the very least, if you're listening to the, to our shows, you know that we have Atlantic Brewing Supply as one of our sponsors. And they are a host company for Epiphany Malt, which is straight out of there on the East Coast. So you can get some craft malt from the, from the Carolinas and have that. Uh, very interesting stuff. I, I, I think there's a lot to play with there. And yeah, I mean, look, Duval's a classic. There's a reason Duval's a classic. Even if, even if, as we've said on the program before, the current Duval recipe that we all think that we know and love and is you know, the way that Duval should always be, only actually dates from the 1970s. Well, that's right, man. They, you know, but that doesn't make it not a classic, you know? Just because it's new doesn't mean it's not a classic. Oh, I know, but people have this tendency to think classic means it's old. <laughs> Although at this point in time, I suspect for some of our listeners, the 1970s <laughs> Yeah, man. It's like, I can hardly remember. And you know what they say about the 60s? If you remember the 60s, you weren't there. I certainly wasn't, so I can't remember them anyway. Right. Well, I hope I hope you enjoy those beers enough to finish up the bottles. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I love it. But, uh, hey, while we're talking about these PET bottles, how did you, uh, I assume, local homebrew supply? Uh, somebody sent me some beer in them. Oh, well, there you go. Re recycling. Re reuse. Now, 
how did you go about filling these? Uh, I uh, stuck a little piece of tubing into my tap. Uh, I use Cobra taps. Oh, you did the you did the the growler fill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if I'm really, really going to be persnickety about my uh, carbonation, like if I'm going to fill bottles from a keg for a competition, I run that piece of tubing through a one-hole stopper. Uh, I seat that... St- uh, first, I flush... And burp. Yeah, for, yeah, exactly. First, I flush the bottles with CO2. Uh, then I seat the stopper in the bottle. I uh, open the tap, and the get, bottle gets about a third full, and then the back pressure makes the flow stop. So I take my thumb and just kind of like crack that stopper just a bit and let the bottle finish filling slowly. And you know what, man? I have found that that works as well as any expensive commercial filler. Yeah, well, and I'm, I, mean, I like my beer gun. That's how I do this. But uh, again, these bottles, I think... These are two and a half weeks old. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, about right on that edge of like, hey, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That's why I wanted to get to this tasting soon. So, well, hey, Denny, thank you so much for sending me beer. I love it when you send me beer. <laughs> I love it when you send me beer. So let's just keep doing this, huh? There you go. And also, listeners, you can send us your beer, too. Yeah. Email us at podcast at com if you want our uh critique our commentary and our you know ability to question what you're doing or question of like hey why didn't we think about what you're doing yeah that's right man show us what we missed cheers everybody we hope that you're having a good week see you later thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of the brew files we hope that you enjoyed this so did denny brew a good enough beer to merit his reputation i'd say so but as always, there are things that get to be tweaked, tuned, and changed. That's how you learn, after all. Tell us what you've learned over the years or how you've changed your recipe in response to a tasting just like this. Now remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcastexperimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at Denny at Experimental Brew or Drew at Experimental Brew. You can find us at EXP Brewing on Instagram, on Twitter, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum out there. And, of course, you can always find us at www.experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget you can support the podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Click the AHA Brewswag.com code word experimental, Amazon Brewers Friends or BYO links on the website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Chat with Champs, helping kids with cancer to connect with each other. Until next time, remember, the brew is out there, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring Artisan Malt House Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply.